You are now listening to the Hack My Age podcast, the show that brings you guests for biohacking women over 50. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a gerontologist, digital nomad, certified sports nutrition, and breathing coach. I'm the author of the Longevity Master Plan, the cookbook, Eating for Longevity, and a new upcoming energy reboot program for women over 50. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and I would really appreciate it if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find us too. This is a really small but very critical gesture that makes a huge impact for me to support a podcast for older women, help us grow stronger, get our voice out there, and attract even more amazing guests to the show for you and for me. You can now watch all of our podcast interviews on the Hack My Age YouTube channel. Some of our guests bring slideshows, so it's really great to have. Every week there is a new video, so just search Hack My Age on YouTube.com or find the link on the Hack My Age website. Now, who doesn't want to learn more about how we can keep our brains healthy? We have covered so many ways already in the Hack My Age podcast, but we're going to take a deep dive into some superfoods and learn about which colors of the rainbow are best for supporting a clear mind and a sharp memory. And what's good for the brain is also good for the heart. So we're also going to cover some of the benefits of eating foods with a certain color that can help our cardiovascular health too. Today, Dr. Evie Kemp will be sharing all of this with us. And she is super interesting because she's involved in three separate but interconnected fields. Now she's worked for many years as lead physician in occupational medicine at the Center for Occupational Health and Wellbeing at John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford in the United Kingdom. And she has a special interest in doctors and medical students' health and well-being. And many of her patients come from these two groups. With the shift work and poor nutrition and pressure that these groups have, this is a field that, despite being a part of the health industry, is not really conducive for a healthy lifestyle. So if you're in this field, listen up. <laughs> then since 2018, Dr. Evie has divided her time between Israel and Oxford and is now working in medical education, running workshops for doctors, lecturing medical students, and is the director of medical student well-being at the Technion American Medical School in Haifa, Israel. That's so great. Um, I just love that there's a department that takes care of medical students as well being. You know, it's just it's like I said before, it's the, that field is not very conducive to health and well being. So this is these are people I want them to be at the top of their game for what they're doing. And and I'm I'm wondering if this is universal. What Dr. Evie has also done for these students is develop and teach a 12-week module, which gives them an introduction to lifestyle and occupational medicine and a range of tools to create their own health and well-being plan for medical school and beyond. And now the next part of Dr. Evie's life is a business that she and her husband, Simon Feynman, founded and run called Haskapa, which produces superfood products made from the Haskap berries grown on their all-natural farm in Nova Scotia, Canada. As research director, she coordinates Haskap berry scientific knowledge and academic research for the company. So you may already be able to guess which color food we'll be talking about today. And before we get started, we have to read the fancy disclaimer. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Evie Kemp, Haskapa research director. 
The content should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any personal medical queries. Now, without further ado, let's meet Dr. Evie Kemp. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, good morning. And thank you for inviting me to talk to you. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, you're the perfect person to talk about these colors and these foods. And I just shared a, a little bit about your background. And I, I love the idea that you're supporting doctors and medical students as well-being. And I want those people really to have that optimal health because I want somebody to be on the top of their game if they're treating me. And I'm really curious, is, is this type of support program universal? Meaning like, does it exist in the UK and the US and other parts of the world? Well, sadly, it's not universal. And doctors and medical students' health and well-being is a new and growing field. There are some other medical schools around the world that are looking at these issues. But I think that doctors have some very specific health problems that people, I think, don't even realize. Very sadly, you know, we've got a significant increase in anxiety and depression compared to the general population. We also have a high incidence of suicide, very sadly. I don't know if you're aware, between Three and 400 doctors commit suicide in America every year, which is just wow. a, a terrible. I mean, it's absolutely horrendous. And we're very bad at looking after ourselves. So it's really important that we start teaching medical students how to look after themselves from the beginning. And we carry on doing that all the way through medical school and all the way through doctors' careers. And, and that there are good places they can go and get help and support as well. So there are a lot of barriers for doctors and medical students to actually access help and support. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea about that. And that's very, very uh, concerning, actually. So I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up. And, you know, we always think doctors you know, should be the ones that are most healthy, but they're caregivers. And in gerontology, we know that caregivers have one of the worst health uh, conditions. They have the shortest telomeres. They're like really under pressure. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really glad you're doing that. I, I really was very curious about that side of your, your business and or your, your, your work. So thank you for sharing that. Now let's talk about the colors of the rainbow that we find in the plant world. Now I'm someone who, who likes to keep things really simple and, and, and I ask my health coaching clients to eat the rainbow and get a variety of nutrients, but I know that there's more to it. So we've got polyphenols and flavonoids that exist in colorful foods. So just explain a little bit what, what these are and why they're important. Polyphenols are this very large family of plant compounds found in fruits and vegetables and chocolate and wine and tea. There's more than 8,000 of them, and they've got some very interesting properties. Some of them are antioxidants, some of them are anti-inflammatory, but, but they're actually within the polyphenols. There's four different subgroups, and one of those subgroups is called the flavonoids, and that's the subgroup that I'm particularly interested in. Now, within the flavonoids, there's actually six different subgroups, and I'll just tell you, I've got them written down because it's, it's interesting. So there's, the, there's the, the, the flavanols, and that's black and green tea and onions and apples and chocolate. There's the flavones, so that's parsley, uh, parsley and, and peppers. There's the flavonones, so that's all of our citrus fruit, like oranges and lemons and grapefruits and so on. There's the flavonthriols, and that's, that's black and green tea again. The isoflavones, and that's soya and lentils. But the last but not least is the group called anthocyanins. And anthocyanins is the group that I really want to talk about today and the group that I'm most interested in. 
And just to say what are anthocyanins, so anthocyanins are actually the naturally occurring red, blue and purple plant pigments that we find in fruit and vegetables. And they, the name actually comes uh, from the Greek, where anthos is flower and kyanos is, is blue. And this mm-hmm. is the color that I'm most interested in talking about today, really the blue, blue, red and purple color. So, okay, you said there were 8,000 different flavonoids. No, 8,000 different polyphenols. Polyphenols is like the, the, the biggest, the huge name for all of these compounds. Then there's four different subgroups of the polyphenols, one of which is flavonoids. And then there's six different subgroups of of uh, flavonoids, and one of those is the anthocyanin. So it's very. I'm really glad you asked this because people use these terms uh, interchangeably sometimes, and it's quite important that people understand the the difference. So it's it's great to be able to explain them. So thank you for asking. Yeah. Yeah. No. Of course. That's why we're here. So it, yeah, and we all it did all get just jumbled up in one one big would play. So I understand there's this umbrella of the polyphenols and, like you said, antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. And then there's the four groups. You only taught, taught, mentioned one, flavonoids. And it, and it and all the foods that you mentioned sounds very flavorful. So I'm wondering if there's like a flavor, like they all sound like flavor, flavor, flavor. And all this, you said six subgroups. They all had the the the, the FLAV in it, yes, except yes. anthocyanins. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> So I'm I'm guessing maybe that has something to do with taste or flavor or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just I'm a, I'm a word person. Yeah. Well, I think I think the anthocyanins. It's all to do. It's all about the color with the anthocyanins, and that's that. And you can tell it as you know, it's from the name, isn't it? You know, the the blue flowers and 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 you know they're not all edible. So the colors in flowers are also you know anthocyanins as well that you wouldn't necessarily eat. But it's all these lovely, beautiful colors that we have in nature. And, and I, although I agree with you totally about when you say you tell your clients to eat the rainbow, and I completely, I always say that to people as well. I think people sometimes kind of forget, or it's harder sometimes to get this red and purple and blue end of the rainbow in. And I'm I, again, what I want to explain today is why I think that end is so, it's so important for our health in general, but particularly as we get a little bit older as well. Yes, I agree. I noticed on people's plates as well that those red, purple, blue, uh, and I I just love those colors when I make a plate and you just add a bit of radish or add a bit of red pepper or or some berries or something. It just lights everything up. So you explained some anthocyanins that makes perfect sense because there's cyan to me, it means the, the, the color blue or something like that, right? So you said in, in your research, you said that there are two, one or two colors that are better than the others when it comes to an aging brain in a woman going through menopause who maybe experienced a bit of brain fog, right? So we have to keep in, in context our listeners here. So what, what are those few colors that, that you're talking about? And do they have anything to do with anthocyanins? Yeah, well, they do. Well, it is absolutely. <laughs> we're talking, we're talking really the whole thing here we're talking about is, is anthocyanins and the research behind the anthocyanins and the red, blue, and purple colors. And although there are no official health claims we can make. There's an absolute huge amount of research that we can talk about. And we know that anthocyanins have antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, cardioprotective, heart protective, um, brain protective, and potentially anti-diabetic properties, just to name a few. And what I wanted to do is just to tell you about some of those research studies. 
And I wanted just to start, I know you've got a very, very um, intelligent audience who, with, with a lot of knowledge, but I wanted just to start by double checking that everybody knew the difference between epidemiological studies and clinical studies. And just, just, just going over that one again, I, probably people do, but I just wanted to, to sort of check. So these epidemiological studies or population studies are large cohort studies where they take a large number of people and they follow them up for a long period of time and they look at what they eat and what their health outcomes are. And the most famous of these studies is called the Harvard Nurses Study, the Harvard Health Study, you may have heard of that which started in the 1970s, and they actually recruited 121,700 female nurses at that point, and they've been following them up ever since. And every couple of years, they take a new cohort. And although that started as just women, it's actually, thank goodness, gone to mixed, mixed populations now. But just a few years after that, in 1986, they actually started a male cohort as well that they followed up called the Health Professionals Cohort. And the really exciting thing is that the, the size of these cohorts and the length of time that they've been followed up. But the important thing we have to say about epidemiological studies is they can only show associations. And if we actually want to prove cause and effect, they're very important. They've, they've got a, they're very strong. They're very important. And a lot of um, nutrition studies you know, have to be epidemiological studies because it's, it's much harder doing these clinical studies. But the clinical studies are the studies that actually are the intervention studies that can things like, you know, a double blind clinical trial with a specific intervention and a placebo. And these can actually prove cause and effect. So if we start, I'd like to just talk about brain health and then I'd like to talk about heart health. And we'll talk about some of these studies, if that's OK. So if let's start by thinking about our brain health and the neuroprotective effects. And of course, the thing we're all really concerned about, I mean, many things we're concerned about is just the huge number of people already living with dementia in the world. They're estimating about 50 million people are living dementia in the world already today, estimating that by 2030, there'll be 86 million people living in the world today. And it's not just the people living with dementia we have to worry about. It's all the people caring for the people who are living with dementia that we have to worry about as well. And we know that Alzheimer's is the commonest cause of dementia. It causes about 60 to 70 percent of cases. And we also know that sadly, us women have a significantly higher increase or higher risk of, of, of Alzheimer's compared to the men. So about one in six women will develop Alzheimer's compared to one in 11 men. And we don't really know why that is. We think it may be something to do with our genetics, something to do with our hormones, something to do with our brain structure, maybe something to do with the way we run our lives. But there's a lot of research going into that, but we don't, we don't know the answers. Well, there's also the, the point that women live longer than men. Yes. So we are because we're living longer, right? We get we're we can have more chances to get diseases. That's a absolutely that's to absolutely add absolutely to add to the list. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. And there was a great study published in The Lancet in 2020 that actually looked at 12 risk factors through life for, for getting dementia. And they estimated that at least 40% of dementia could actually be prevented by targeting these risk factors. There are other people who think that we can actually reduce the risk by even more than that. But I mean, I think that's a very good study to, you know, 40% would be pretty amazing anyway, wouldn't it? And we know that anthocyanins have this neuroprotective effect, and they're associated with reducing the risk of cognitive decline as we age as well. So if we look at the population, the epidemiological studies to start with, there's one really famous study that's always quoted by a lady called Devore, and she took 16,000 
older women who were over the age of 70. And she followed them up for six years and she looked at what they ate and she looked at other lifestyle factors. And she found that the group of women that had a higher anthocyanin intake in their diets actually delayed their cognitive aging by two and a half years. I mean, that is huge. I mean, that's absolutely huge. There's another study that was published just two years ago, which was looking at flavonoids in general and, and the risk of Alzheimer's and related dementia. And this, this study was done in Massachusetts at Tufts University. And they followed 2,800 adults uh, over 50 for 20 years. And every four years, they did medical assessments and they asked them what they ate. They gave them food questionnaires. And again, fascinatingly, the group that had a low anthocyanin diet actually was associated with a fourfold increased risk of developing um, Alzheimer's disease and related dementias compared to those that had a, a higher anthocyanin diet. And the high anthocyanin doubt wasn't actually talking about eating that much anthocyanin. And I'll, we'll talk a bit more about this later. It was only about 16 milligrams of anthocyanin. And it was, you know, it was, it was, it was seven and a half cups of berries a, a month equivalent, which really is, isn't very much. So those are two really interesting population or epidemiological studies. But the good news is that there's a lot of people now working on clinical studies, looking at berries and anthocyanins in particular. Um, and there was one review that was published last year, uh, which looked at 18 different clinical studies, uh, looking at berry anthocyanins and cognitive, how our brains perform. And the great news is that the results of all of them showed significant improvements in aspects of our memory in the people that were taking anthocyanins, or in the interventions where the people were getting you know, anthocyanins and some positive effects on attention and executive function as well. But across the board, it seems that it's memory that is, is helped particularly. And one of the interesting questions is how, you know, how might anthocyanins work? Well, we know that they cross the blood-brain barrier, so that's a really good first step. Um, we think that, you know, we know that they're antioxidant. We know that they can improve brain, uh, you know, brain blood flow as well. Uh, we think, you know, we know they're anti-inflammatory, that they can combat neuroinflammation and maybe even protect our brains from neurotoxins. I mean, there's no absolute proof here, but, you know, these are the sort of ideas that the researchers are working on at the moment. So those are just our general thoughts about how these amazing molecules, this ama you know, these amazing phytochemicals can potentially protect, protect our brains. So that's the sort of the brain bit. Interesting. I want to ask, the studies that you're looking at, and, and you talked a lot about anthocyanins and the, the association with anthocyanins, you mentioned some berries. Are most of these studies done with just berries or are they including red cabbage or red onion or radish, or are they just taking a supplement or a powder or what? It, what it, how are these research outcomes, hopefully the, the good ones, what are they actually doing? Well, interesting. Most of the research has been done on berries, but but you know the anthocyanins obviously are available in other red and purple foods, like red cabbage, as you say. But not all red food and um, red and purple food is anthocyanins. But um, and and the studies, a lot of the studies have actually been done on freeze dried powder, uh, um, freeze dried berry powder, because then you can um, know exactly how much anthocyanins somebody's taking, which is you know because you've got a standardized amount. 
So, you know, freeze-dried powder keeps the, the high levels of the anthocyanins in. Um, obviously, fresh berries are wonderful as well. And some of the studies are done on fresh berries, but most of them actually on, on freeze-dried powder. So there's a lot of evidence showing that these, these people who are eating this type of color. <laughs> absolutely, better, absolutely. Better absolutely. brain health. And I love brain studies, health. Yeah, they were including some women. They included older adults. Yeah, older older women. I mean, that study on older women is particularly important. I think, and you know, a, a, you know, an association with re reduction in two and a half years of cognitive aging is is pretty serious. I mean, that's not nothing by any means. Yeah, yeah. How so? When they they are measuring cognitive aging, they're testing them with uh, memory tests or uh, comprehension. What what are they testing? The whole range, really. You know, memory tests, higher executive function. Uh, and uh, you know the, the, there's there's a whole range of, of standard tests that you do when you do these when you do these tests as well. How do yeah. you test higher executive function? Really basic things like doing uh, taking seven away from a hundred. I mean that's just a way one of one of the basic tests all doctors are taught to do to test higher executive function as a quick bedside test. As you say to somebody, start at a hundred and take seven away, and just keep take seven away, and let's see how you're doing. And that's a, a very good standard test of you know how how you are you know, how your brain is, is, is functioning. And it's amazing, you know, who can and can't do that actually. And, and, and why, and of course, if you were never good at maths to start with, we, we let you off, but you know, it's, yeah. But, but also, you know, as you said, everything that's good for your brain is good for your heart as well. And uh, shall I go on and talk about? Yes. I was going to ask you about the heart. Okay, yeah. There you go. So um, from a heart, heart perspective, again, let's divide it into those epidemiological studies and then um, let's look at the clinical studies. So again, I'm delighted to say that there is at least one study, several studies just looking at women. But the first one was actually looking at heart attacks in young and middle-aged women, where they followed up nearly 94,000 women for 18 years. And they showed that the women that had a higher anthocyanin diet were associated, this was associated with actually a 32% reduction in the risk of having a heart attack, which again is fascinating. They've done studies in, in, in men as well, uh, which showed the higher anthocyanin diet had a, a reduction of 14% in non-fatal heart attacks in men. They've also done research looking at high blood pressure. And in this um, epidemiological study, they followed nearly 160,000 people, that's men and women, for 14 years. And they showed that the ones that had the higher anthocyanin diets had a reduced risk of having high blood pressure by between 8 and 12%. So, I mean, that's, that's fascinating. And there's also one really interesting review, which was looking actually at at a diet, high anthocyanin diet, and that was associated with actually reducing the risk of all-cause mortality as well. I mean, again, these these are associations. You know, they're not. They're, you know, this is not cause and effect proof, but they're fascinating because there's such huge numbers of people, and the, the statistics are very clever. So you can take out. You look at all sorts of lifestyle factors and all sorts of dietary factors, and you can take them in and out with statistics, and just sort of end up looking at one thing at a time. Very very clever stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The one I question. I'm, I'm wondering about is it depends on where you're you're living I've lived so many different parts of the world and berries are expensive unless it's in season in you know very cold climates I used to live in Ukraine and Russia and then it was just a kilo a dollar a kilo <laughs> but it was very seasonal very short so I'm wondering 
you know, some of these studies, you know, whether if they're done with a powder and even a powder, I understand, but I'm I'm wondering, trying to tease out if somebody, if there's these associations with people who with high anthocyanin diets, does it because do they have more money and they can get better health care and they can have better food, you know, quality? Is that are they teasing this out already with the studies? They, they completely tease that out. They look at the different socioeconomic groups when they look at this. They look at whether people exercise or not. They look at what else they're eating. They look at whether they smoke, whether they drink alcohol, whether they're overweight, whether they've got diabetes, high blood pressure. You know, they look at all of these mm. factors when they look at these studies and they look at all these confounding factors as well and they try and really tease it out there. They're getting better and better and better at really getting these studies and making sure that they're, that's what you, the results you get at the end are, are really meaningful. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I guess there's a few clinical studies as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah you were going on to that imagine. side because I wanted to tell you, I mean, again, there's, I want to tell you that, that there's actually a lot of clinical studies now looking particularly at blood pressure, suggesting that berry anthocyanins can improve blood pressure and improve the function of our blood vessels as well. And there's one study I thought you'd be particularly interested again, because it's on postmenopausal women and, and postmenopausal women with um, early blood pressure. Cause you know, what we'd like to do if somebody has got, um, you know, pre, uh, you know, very early blood pressure problems or type one blood pressure problems is we'd like to say, let's look at your lifestyle to start with what could we do to help you I'd much rather do that and put anybody on drugs and you know lifestyle is is is, is everything and in this study they took 48 postmenopausal women with early blood pressure and this was a double blind placebo controlled study um, to one group they gave um, freeze-dried berry powder, blueberry powder, and the other group, they gave a placebo. And the placebo has got the same, it looks the same. It's, it also tastes a berry, but it doesn't have any anthocyanin in it, okay? Mm -hmm. And they gave it them for eight weeks. And at the end of eight weeks, the group that had had the berry anthocyanin powder um, had reduction in both numbers in their blood pressure, the, the systolics, the top number, and the diastolics, the lower number. And they had less, you know, their, their arteries were moving really nicely as well. And the other really interesting thing was they had an increase in something called nitric oxide. And I wanted to tell you, so one of the things that we know that anthocyanins do is they increase nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is this amazing, amazing chemical that is actually produced in the endothelium. The endothelium is the lining, this amazing single cell layer that lines all the blood vessels in our body. And what nitric oxide does is it dilates the blood vessels, which is great because that reduces your blood pressure, but also it increases blood flow and it increases then oxygen and nutrient delivery. And we think that that's one of the main underlying ways that anthocyanins, anthocyanins work on the body. And that kind of makes sense if you think of kind of all the places that anthocyanins can kind of work, can work in the body as well, I think. Yeah. Amazing. So yes, nitric oxide. I'm a breathwork instructor and we always talk about nitric oxide using the breath and how important that is. So I, you know, some people take it as a supplement and now we have a possibility of getting it through food. So, okay. Now, how much anthocyanin really do we need per day? And, and how do we know if we're actually getting enough? Like, I, I know that when I eat beets, for example, my stools turn purple and red, and that kind of freaks me out until I figure out, oh, I had beets. <laughs> but is there any other kind of indicator to know how much is enough? Sure. Well, let me start with beets. I'm glad you brought beets up because beets actually are one of the few 
purple fruit and veg that are not anthocyanins, actually. Really? They actually, yeah, they actually contain something called betalanes, uh, and they, which is actually synthesized from, from tyrosine, which is one of the non-essential amino acids. And there's actually, I don't know if you know this, but there's, a, a, there's actually a medical name for that red urine that you get after eating beets. And it's actually called beet urea. So there's actually <laughs> actually a name for it, beet urea. And, and you're actually in a minority because only about 10 to 14 percent of people get that. And actually, it's, it's in my urine. It's in yeah, my poo. It's, it's in your poo. Well, people get it in both, actually. People can get it in both, <laughs> which is fascinating. Yeah. And, and interestingly, mm. um, yeah, when it's in the urine, fascinatingly, it's associated with a higher incidence of iron deficiency anemia, though we don't know why. So that's mm. just a by the by. If somebody starts getting eating beets and getting red urine afterwards mm. they should just think whether they might have an anemia an associated anemia so that's just the by the by but the beets so that isn't telling you whether in, in fact you're probably not digesting the beets that well actually because you're one of the people who possibly if it's coming straight out you're you're not actually digesting it which is interesting isn't well, it well the next question i had was because it's it's only when i started to eat beets and now i eat them almost every day and mm. so then it doesn't happen anymore but i remember when i was starting out i was like what's going on that freaked me out so have i adapted in the beginning I, maybe i wasn't and then you just suddenly I become <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> I it's so much i don't know <laughs> it also depends what you what you eat the beets with. So I do know that if you eat the beets with foods that are high in inoxalic acid, um, that, that that actually stops the beets being absorbed as well. So that's yeah. things like maybe spinach or coca powder. So maybe it depends what you're eating it with or whether you're eating it on its own, or maybe your body's just adapted. That's also possible. Yeah, ah, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. And it always goes in my my big salad. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're good stuff. Beets are, beets are excellent. Yeah. But beets but- have not nitric oxide? Don't they? Or beets? Beets actually are quite high in in nitrates, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that's why. And then that 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 actually um, also increases nitric oxide, but in a bit in a different way. So yeah. not in the same way that anthocyanins do. Absolutely. But just to go back. Oh, go on. I was going. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say you were asking me how much anthocyanin do you need per day? Yes. And um, so we think we need between sort of three and forty three milligrams per day, something like that. And, and we, we know. <laughs> and well, well, it's it, well, it's, it's difficult. I mean, certainly what we know is about a third, a third of a cup of blueberries is about that much. And um, and and my friend, Willie Kalt, actually, uh, you know, uh, she's an anthocyanin researcher from Nova Scotia. She actually said, and I'm quoting her uh, in one of her papers, it can be safely stated that daily moderate intake of around 50 milligrams of anthocyanins which is about one third a cup of blueberries, can mitigate the risk of diseases and conditions of major socioeconomic importance in the Western world. So that's pretty Mm. extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. And we know that in another sort of place that we know they eat a lot, it's Okinawa, you know, in the blue zones. We know that in Okinawa, um, which is one of the oldest population, you know, the the oldest female populations in the world in the blue zones, they eat a lot of of purple sweet potato. And we think that maybe that that's one of the reasons why they've got such a healthy diet is they eat purple sweet potato which of course contain lots and lots of anthocyanins so you know that's uh, back you know it, we can we can relate this to blue zones as well so okay we could say that's between three and 50 milligrams is what we need something like that okay it's quite a big range but you're saying about a third no no, no 50 no 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 i think we need 50 milligrams i think that the average range in the world is between three three and 43 milligrams america oh. is particularly low americans are not eating you know looking at all the research we need about 50 milligrams a day you certainly need to be eating purple every day one way or another as far as i'm concerned you know you need to be eating some purple every day 
This episode is sponsored by Oxford HealthSpan, the creators of my favorite supplement, Primadine. I admit it, I am a total supplement junkie, but if I had to choose only one, it would be this one. And it's because Primadine is spermidine, and this is shown to activate autophagy, which is super important. Now, this is a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. So as we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and waste, which isn't good for our cells, our health, nor our longevity. So we need to clean it up. And if you want the research on this, go to OxfordHealthSpan.com and you can see all of it, showing how spermidine supports our brain, our hormones, and our heart health. And another great side effect is stronger hair, skin, and nails, but also longer eyelashes. But, you know, the real important reason why I love Primadine is because I have never, ever received as much feedback on a product I recommended as I have with Primadine. Literally every week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And... Most of the time, it's about improved sleep. And even some of you told me it's reversed a bit of your gray hair too. So I find that totally amazing. So I can honestly say with 100% certainty that Primadine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on OxfordHealthSpan.com. Just be sure to get back to me with your results too. Now enjoy the show. So, okay, then let's think about, so give us some, what is the 50 milligram? You said it's a third of a cup of blueberries and I got that down easily. Sure. <laughs> no, no, well, well, what, I mean, um, we're going to be else? talking about ha- hascat berries in a minute as well. It's uh, it's actually less hascat berries. It's actually about about one to two teaspoons of our hascat berry powder is is exactly that. So that's uh, what we're going to- One to two teaspoons, teaspoons of, of, of our powder. Of, of our, our berry powder. Yeah, we'll, we'll tell you all we'll about that. We'll talk about that, that yeah, in a second, because that, that's actually the quick route. <laughs> so it- but but um, but you see things like um, something like your purple sweet potato. You eat a lot more veg than you do fruit. So you know if you have a big you know with with berries you don't you, you know you eat a small portion of berries and with vegetables you eat a much bigger portion. So although they've got lower amounts of anthocyanins, you actually get more because you eat a bigger portion. So I think the what I'd say is you need to be trying to eat something purple every day. You know I think that's a good start. Yeah. So when would one sweet one purple potato be good enough? I think one like purple sweet potato. Yeah, 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 yeah. One purple sweet potato would be would be very good. Yeah. And what else is there? I'm thinking pomegranate. I know pot has a lot of nitric oxide, but that's a more of a reddish color. It's is more that... of a reddish color. It's a different. It's a different. Com- it's it's a it, it is it is it is a flavonoid, but it's a different flavonoid. Yeah, but it's not an anthocyanin. Not an anthocyanin. Let's no. focus on the anthocyanins because all the, the research you posted. I mean, really, pulled, pulled really, was... yeah. It's it's berries. I mean, I would say it's berries. I mean, I think I think I really passionately believe that we need to be eating berries every day, and I'm I'm not the only one. There's a lot of other research, you know, nutrition researchers out there who are saying berries we need to be eating berries every day and that's that's what i think yeah um, i'm just wondering what other other foods are out there so so anthocyanins are really only in berries mostly yeah, they're, well they're in berries they're also in if we think about purple vegetables so they're in they're in they are in purple sweet potatoes they are in um uh, purple cabbage as well i'm trying to think what, what other purple foods that we, we have plums. 
plums is a little bit a little bit in plums as well but i mean purple basically we're talking purple purple red purple red blue blue foods yeah absolutely. yeah but but not beets and not um radishes are more yeah. pinkish somebody's asking about eggplant yes i think in in the skin but again it's it's thinking about the the inside as well as the outside of of you know if you've just got it in the skin you haven't got as much as if you've got the color all the way through which is why purple sweet potatoes are so very special yeah Ah, but I, I understood. I read. I think the we talked. About, I was in in touch with Dr. Sandra Kaufman, and we'll talk about her rating for for the Huscat berries. But when I looked into the berries, like the berry, I think it was in her research or somebody else's, and it said that the anthocyanin is concentrated in the skin mostly because a berry in the inside, because sometimes is is light, light whitish. Yeah. But the blue part, it's not as blue on the inside as on the outside, right? I've got a lovely picture to show you in a minute exactly to explain oh, okay. that, actually. So, yeah, yeah, I, I can show you a picture exactly explaining explaining that. Yeah, that, that's exactly correct. Yeah. Cabbage, we've got a little bit in plums. We've got berries. Is it, it's the highest concentration in berries, maybe a tiny bit in the skin of eggplant. Uh, I'll have to, if anybody else has a purple fruit or vegetable in this, in our group here, just post it in the, <laughs> the chat and see if we can get that. Let's talk a little bit about the score because Dr. Sandra Kaufman, who's been on the podcast before, and she just takes a deep dive into rating different molecules. And I hadn't, didn't realize, yeah, she had actually given a score for the huscup berry. And you are a specialist in the huscup berry. And I want you to, to talk a little bit about about what she came up with and why why sure, this is sure. she's actually in and, and anybody else who's listening you know she she really dives into the anti-aging molecules right she's a woman in her 50s she wants to slow aging she's talking about spermidine terastilbene physotin coq10 and, and so many of her other favorites and now she's added the Hoscut berry. So tell us what Dr. Kaufman has said about that. I will tell you about, I, in some ways, I'd rather tell you about Hoscut berries first and a bit about Hoscut berry research, because it kind of makes more sense to talk about that at the end, if that's okay with you. Sure. Is, that, is that okay? Because I'll, I'll kind of explain some of the research and that will explain why she, how, she got to, how she got to where she got to. But I'm very excited that we have got a lovely Kaufman score. So that's great. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the Hoscut berry and then we'll talk about I'm going to share screen now, if that's okay, because I actually got some slides. It'd be nice to have some pictures. I know not everybody is is watching, so I'm going to be able to just explain the slides. They can always go to the YouTube uh, channel, the Hack My Age YouTube channel, and watch the slides too. Sure, sure. And this is just a little bit about our story and how we got into this extraordinary business of farming. Uh, you know, being from England and farming in Nova Scotia. So this is this first picture is actually about me, me and my husband, Simon, and we ended up going to Nova Scotia on holiday in 2007. And the truth is, we didn't even really know where Nova Scotia was for everyone. You know, we knew it was in Canada somewhere, but it's in eastern Canada. It's the most beautiful and gorgeous place. It's the size of England and Wales with incredibly friendly people, beautiful scenery, um, amazing music, lovely walking and kayaking, all the kind of things that we really like doing. And we kind of fell in, fell in love with the place. Basically, my husband, Simon, he, he's been very involved in um, a whole load of green entrepreneurial projects. And he actually just finished planting half a million trees in Ghana. And he wow. really wanted to own and manage a little bit of his own woodland. And woodland is incredibly expensive in the UK. And when we went to Nova Scotia, we saw that woodland is actually incredibly cheap by comparison. The way you buy woodland there is you buy a farm and the far farms are like 80% woodland and 20% farmland. And you know how most people go on holiday and you might bring back a little souvenir. 
well, we went on holiday and we, we bought back a farm, you know, complete madness. But, <laughs> you know, you, you, only, you only live once. And um, Simon was kind of thinking, what are we going to, you know, he really wanted to manage the, the trees, but it takes, you know, 10 to 15 years to make money from good woodland management. Um, so we thought, well, what, you know, who's thinking, what on earth can we possibly um, grow? And, you know, we had some principles that we were kind of keen to, to you know, with this business to, to, to think about. But particularly, we wanted to grow something on, on the farmland that was natural and nutritious and, and value added and ethical and sustainable and so on. And we came up with the Haskat berry. And this is what the Haskat berry looks like. It's actually it's an edible blue honeysuckle. It actually grows in all the cold forest areas around the world. It grows on bushes. And it's very hardy because it grows. And that's probably why it has such high levels of these anthocyanins. It's a very, very hardy bush. Um, it's got a lovely backstory. It's thought to have originated in Siberia and carried over to Hokkaido, the northern Japanese island by birds, where it was known and loved by the indigenous Ainu people of northern Japan and that area. And Haskap is actually an Ainu word which means many things on the end of the branch. And this is where I started getting really excited about it because they used it in traditional medicine and they knew it as the berry of long life and good eyesight. And that's really what got me very excited about this berry and, and wanting to get more involved. So what we did, we, we learned a lot on our first farm and then we actually bought a much larger farm with a whole load of other investors. And um, we actually asked the farm workers what they'd like to call it. And they decided to call it Lone Tree Farm for obvious reasons here in the picture. For those <laughs> of you who can't see the picture, there's just one lone tree in, in a sort of very, very large field. We have now planted 80 acres of berry bushes. And it's all eco-friendly and natural farming. And we're moving towards uh, organic farming as well. Sorry for the people who can't see this, but we've got some quick pictures of just preparing the land planting the berries and we, we've actually got um, irrigation here. We've got irrigation here and the berries are planted about, and the little bushes are planted about a meter apart. And we've got this special sunbelt material that we cover them up with to try and reduce the weeding requirements. There's a lot of weeding to do. And as a family, we used to go regularly and, and help out with the weeding in the summer. And the bushes grow beautifully and they grow to about five foot diameter in total. Uh, and the berry, now this is the exciting thing about the berries. So the, the Haskat um, flower is actually a double flower. And the bees have to come and pollinate each of those flowers. And you end up with actually a double berry and then an outer purple skin. So our berries have end up, and the actual, the double berry actually fuses together to make one berry. And you end up with a double purple skin, which is why they're so high in anthocyanins, and crimson flesh. And I'll show you a picture of that in a minute. And uh, this is what they look like when they're ready for harvest. There's the gorgeous purple, beautiful purple, long kind of elongated berries, often with folds of skin as well. So that also increases the anthocyanin content. The birds love them as much as we do. So we have to net them before harvest. And this is a picture of Cynthia, our wonderful farm manager, because Simon obviously pre was going there an awful lot pre-COVID. Pre but now, you know, we haven't been able to go there and we have a wonderful farm manager looking after the farm as well. And, uh, and we harvest them and we freeze them immediately. The bees are hugely important to us because no bees, no berries. And we're a certified bee friendly farm. And we've actually done a lot of research on the bees as well. But maybe maybe that's for another time. 
And this is why Hascat berries are so special. It's all about the color and it's all about the anthocyanins. So for those of you who can't see, I'll just describe this to you. So blueberries are blue, you know, cultivated blueberries are blue on the outside and they're greeny white on the inside. I think they should be called greenberries, actually. I don't think they should be called blueberries. But our Hascat berries have got this double blue purple skin and they're crimson all the way through. And that's really what gives them their very special properties. And what we can say is uh, from research that they've got three times more antioxidants than blueberries and four times more anthocyanins than blueberries because of all that color. And we like to say they've got five times more flavor as well. They are very tasty. They've got a lovely kind of tangy, 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 sweet flavor as well. Um, and then this is just, again, it's just a graph just showing the, the antioxidant capacity and of blueberry here. And here's a couple of Hascap cultivars here. And this is where we say we can say we've got three times more antioxidants. Um, they're also very high in vitamin C. So that, that's important as well to know. Um, they also contain, by the way, um, you know, here's, a, here's a, a graph just showing the polyphenols at the top the flavonoids being one of the groups down, and here the anthocyanins. They contain a lot of very other interesting compounds as well. I mean, we think the anthocyanins are the most important ones, but they contain quercetin and chlorogenic acid and salicylic acid and iridoids and all sorts of other interesting compounds too. But it's also important just to think about the anthocyanin profile. So blueberries have about 20 different types of anthocyanins in them. They've got like very 20 small amounts of about, about 20 different anthocyanins. But our berries have actually got 85% of one specific anthocyanin called C3G. And a little bit about quickly about some Hascat berry research. So we've been working with Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia. And we've been uh, and, and with, with, with a, uh, somebody called Vasantha Rupa Singh, Professor Vasantha Rupa Singh. And a couple of years ago, he wrote a paper, with, which was an overview paper looking at all the research that had been done so far on Hascat berries. It's really all of the laboratory research and the preclinical research that's been done. And he basically showed that Hascat berries and C3G have got all these very interesting properties that you and I have just been talking about with anthocyanins. So they're antioxidant, they're anti-inflammatory, they're cardioprotective, they're neuroprotective, they're anti-diabetic and so on. And his lab is continuing to do a lot of work in this area. But as a doctor, obviously, I'm really keen to get on and start looking at the clinical studies. And I decided that the area I really wanted to start looking at first was, was, was the cognition and, and cognition in, in, older, in older people. Clinical research, as you know, is I'm sure is very expensive, but we did manage to find some support to do some clinical research. And our first um, study was done with Professor Claire Williams from the University of Reading. And she is an expert in nutrition and psychology and cognition. And so we did a small study looking at the acute effects of Hascat berry extract on cognition, mood and blood pressure in older adults. And it was a double blind clinical study. Um, we had 20 older adults, over 62 years old and older, about half were men and half were women. And basically, we were looking at the acute effects of Hascat berry on these on the, on these parameters. So they are, they had they came they had they came four times. They didn't know what they were getting. One time they got 
100, milli 100 milligrams of anthocyanin. Another time they got 200 milligrams of anthocyanin. Another time they got 400 milligrams. And another time they got a placebo. And they basically came to the lab. They were given their anthocyanin as part of a drink. Um, they, they sorry, they had um, baseline testing done. They were given their anthocyanin as a drink, and the Haskat berry anthocyanin as a drink. They waited 90 minutes and they did all the testing again. Was it used with the Haskapa with this, the brand, was it your, your Haskapa brand? This one, we actually had an extract made from, from our berries. We had ex, we had an extract. They're from made. your berries from your farm. From, 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 from the, the, this one was made from the, the second study I'm going to tell you is absolutely using, using our berries and our powder. Okay. This one was an extract that was made. Actually, this was not from our farm. This particular extract was not made from our farm, but we decided we wanted to, to get it in this very high concentration or higher concentration. This showed, and this was just an acute study, so this was just after, after taking it 90 minutes later, that there were some improvements in aspects of cognition, particularly word recall and word recognition. So they remembered more words in a word list after they'd taken the berry powder. And there was also some improvements in their diastolic blood pressure. And what was interesting is they saw what's called a dose response curve, which showed that higher doses are more effective. So it's a tiny study. It's only a pilot study. I can't make any claims, but this backs up all the other anthocyanin research that says that um, uh, you know, anthocyanins are good, are good, good for our memories. And what I would love to do, Zora, if I had the money, and sadly I don't at the moment, is to do what we call a chronic study. So you'd take a group of older adults and you'd give them Haskat powder and actually our powder for say three months, and you'd look and see what the effect was over over a longer period of time. But this is an interesting study because it's looking specifically at the Haskat berry. And it would be interesting to see if they find studies, the Haskat berry versus a blueberry, right? Because they, you say they have much more antioxidants and, and, uh, and anthocyanins and just overall superior to a, a normal blueberry. So it'd be interesting to do a head-to-head. Head-to-head. -head. It, would, it would be interesting to do a head-to-head -head study. I agree with you. That would, that would be absolutely fascinating. Absolutely. I don't know if, do you want me to, I've just got a few more things. Do you want me just to carry on? I don't know how we're doing for time, but I just wanted to tell you about yeah, we just maybe get like five more minutes. I would love to learn um, more about your Haskapa powder. Absolutely. So basically, you know, I would love to give you fresh berries. I would love to give you fresh berries, but the berries, um, the harvest is short. It's only two weeks. The berries don't last that long. And I was really keen to come up with a, a, something that you could take that retained all the goodness all year round. And we looked at a whole load of different ways of uh, and came up with free, freeze drying is the, basically what everybody does in this situation. So what we do is we freeze the berries immediately to lock in the goodness. And then we end up, we freeze dry them and we make, we make, we make this powder. We, we, we then mill it into powder. And one of our hundred grams packs of powder actually has 800 berries in each pouch. And it's very strong stuff because, you know, and, and so you only really need one teaspoon of it a day. And then the pouch will actually last a month. And if you're saying, what might you do with it? Well, you can add it to yogurt or smoothies or cereal and tea. And I've actually got, I don't know if you can see me here. I've got, I've got my Haskat tea here that I'm, I'm drinking at the moment. 
And I actually um, call it an immunity tea. Um, I, I make tea with one teaspoon of Haskat powder, a stick of cinnamon, um, a tiny bit of fresh ginger, uh, a squeeze of lemon and a tiny bit of honey. And it is the most fantastic winter healthy tea that I would highly recommend. Absolutely. And then we've also just recently we've, we've bought out an organic freeze dried powder as well. And that's not from our farm, although we think our farm is organic in everything but name. Um, it's, it's a complex process actually going organic. It's also very expensive. And we're looking at that at the moment. And we found a partner farm actually in Poland um, where we buy our um, organic berry powder. So we've got that. We've got that as well. But the last thing I wanted just to tell you about was the other bit of research, which was actually done on our own berries, which is the exercise research, if that's OK. And it all started um, because I thought, well, you know what? Our amphosanins have got these amazing effects on exercise. We know that they're anti-inflammatory. We know they're antioxidant. We know that they um, can, can vasodilate and, and open up blood vessels and increase blood flow. Surely that could be useful in exercise. And I started researching and I found this fascinating little study on mice, which was looking at C3G, which is the main anthocyanin in Haskat berries and mice. And basically, they had two groups of little mice uh, and they were getting them to swim. And one group of mice, they fed C3G2 um, every day. And the other group of mice just had normal food. And every day they got them swimming. And to make them swim harder, they put little weights on their tails. And at, <laughs> at poor little things. And at day 15, what happened? They made them swim until they were exhausted and couldn't swim anymore. And incredibly, the group that had taken Haskat, not Haskat, C3G, it wasn't Haskat, the group that had taken C3G swam for 60% longer than the group. Oh, wow. And then they actually looked at the mice in a lot more detail and they saw that the mice that had taken the C3G had lower lactate levels, had increased body mass in their swimming muscles, and they had more mitochondria in their skeletal muscle cells. So this is why I was saying, you know, what some of the things that Sandra Kaufman's been looking at, mitochondria is, is probably one of the, the biggest ones. Now, mitochondria as a powerhouses of our cells, they're incredibly important. This actually looked at actually the mechanism behind how C3G worked as well. And they found out, they looked in the lab and they showed that C3G enhances exercise performance by activating lactate metabolism and creating more um, mitochondria as well through actually um, transcription of genes. So basically by, by genetic upregulation. So taking that idea, that concept, the fact that this was, I think, such a big difference. When I spoke to my anthocyanin friend, Willie Kalt, who is this expert, she said, this is because mice would never have had anthocyanins or you know, these mice would never have had any. So they had a very, very acute, acute response. I then went to the University of Northumbria to this lovely gentleman called Glyn Howitson. And I said, I need to do, I need to try and replicate this in, in humans. Let's have a look and see how this might be in humans. So he did a study for us looking sadly not at older women. It was actually at younger men, but it's still a very interesting study. So it was a double blind placebo controlled study in 30 um, students at their university who were recreational runners. And we wanted to sort of, we thought, you know, let's look at a five kilometer time trial equivalent because lots of people aim to run five kilometers as a kind of park run. They basically um, had three visits to the lab. They had visit one when they were just familiar, familiarized with all the, the equipment and the, and, and you know, the, the treadmill that they were running on. 
Then they had a, a sub-maximal, a maximal, and a five-kilometer time trial. So they did it as baseline. They sort of got them running and doing all the testing at baseline. They then divided them into two groups. And one group absolutely had our powder. And they had um, actually six grams of our powder every day in yogurt for six days. And then they came back and did the running tests again. And the results were absolutely fascinating. So what they showed was that the, actually in the submaximal, that's just basically sort of running along and seeing how you're doing, um, they had improved usage of their oxygen. So that was that was really interesting to see that their oxygen uses was 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 much better. In the running to exhaustion test, um, they actually ran, they got exhausted in, in 20 seconds lower time. So they basically, or, or they, they, you know, they, they ran 20 seconds more. The group that had our Haskapa powder actually managed to run for 20 seconds more than the group that didn't have our Haskapa powder. And then they got them to actually do a five kilometer time trial on that treadmill. And they found that the people who had had the Haskapa powder actually did the run for five kilometers, 21 seconds faster. And, and they said that improved their exercise endurance by 2%. And, and when we talk to Glenn about what he thinks the mechanism is, again, it's the same three mechanisms that we've been talking about kind of all along. It's basically, it's an antioxidant anti-inflammatory and vasodilation, opening up those blood vessels so you can increase blood flow and increase the um, increase blood flow and increase nutrient and oxygen delivery. So, so that's, that's just, you know, so we're very excited about that. I'd love to do it again in women. Of course, we don't, you know, women may, may I, I don't think they will. There's quite a lot of other work on anthocyanins and exercise that suggests that women are act in the same or respond in the same way to men. But obviously, you know, it'd be lovely to do this in, in women as well. And then just to go back to your the, where, where you started this, which is about Sandra Kaufman's um, rating for Haskap. So she's got, she's this amazing um, anesthetist with an interest in anti-aging, and she's got a protocol when she rates um, molecular agents for their anti-aging properties. And she uses these seven different um, systems really that she looks at. And our Haskat berries um, have got a 1321202. And here, this is why where we've got the three. That's why I wanted to show you that study that really we've got this a lot of research about the positive effect that they have on, on mitochondria. But, you know, I think I'm very excited that this is, uh, you know, this is a, 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 a really good start. And she's going to put Haskap in her third book. You know, she just brought out her second book, but she's working on her third book now. And I actually think that that is, yeah, that's really everything. I rushed through the end there because I know we're running out of time. But that's kind of uh, what, I, what I wanted to say to you, really. This is amazing to see this research. And I love to to have it backed by Sandra Kaufman and that there's so much mitochondrial activity. So the I'm creating an energy reboot program for women over 50. So I think I need to <laughs> open up a, a chapter on the Haskap berry and how that, that should, they should feel more energy energized, I guess, if they're improving their mitochondrial function. Is that correct? You know, again, we can't make health claims. Not, you know, we've got to be very careful. But there's a lot of people on our website, you know, who give reviews who say they feel more energized. I have to say, when I exercise and when Simon exercises, my husband and of course we're biased. We both feel that when we take Haskat, we exercise better. And we have friends and other people. We've we've got reviews on the website who say that they they run better as well and they exercise better and they actually feel it afterwards. 
Oh, I have to do my own little trial because I do so many things. And <laughs> and actually, I have my husk cup uh, smoothie right now. Here we go. Here so we will. There we go. Fantastic. Cheers. So cheers. Absolutely. <laughs> but look how beautiful that color is. Know, it's, it's really, it's... really gorgeous. And it does. I mean, when I make a, just a, a berry smoothie, it's kind of a pink. But then I add that husk cup powder, powder and you, you sent me some of this. And it is it's just absolutely gorgeous. I, I agree. I, I pretty much only put it in the yogurt and I put it in my smoothies. I'm sure I could do so many other things with it, but I have to say it's it's really convenient. And But you say only a teaspoon a day, and that was how 50 milligrams. 50 well, it's milligrams. around one to be because it's a natural product. Obviously, every harvest is slightly different. So, that, so it, do, it does fluctuate a little bit. Um, but one one to two teaspoons will give you your 50 milligrams. You know, but the studies, I saw some of the studies you said, you started out with 100 and then you gave them, I don't know, 200, then f- up to 500. Yeah. So should we, and you and it sounded like you said, the more, the better. <laughs> so, so we have to be careful between the acute effect and the chronic effect. So that study, the cognition study, was looking at the acute effect after 90 minutes. So they were looking at higher levels and higher doses. If you take it every day, what will help, Hamina Kalt is saying it, you just need 50 milligrams a day. Because one of the other really interesting things about anthocyanins is their metabolism. Now we know that, for example, C3G, there's one very good study showing about 12, I think it's 12.4% of C3G is absorbed. But the interesting thing, what happens is there's something called enterohepatic circulation of anthocyanins. So they go into the gut and then they get reabsorbed again in the liver and they get metabolized and they go round and round and round. And they the secondary metabolites actually are thought to be more powerful than the, than the actual initial um, the, the initial chemicals. And they hang around for a long time. So you, you only actually need a kind of, a, you know, a small amount every day is, is just perfect. 50 milligrams every day about would be would be just fine. Let's tell people where they can buy, find Huskapa powder. Well, they, they can go to our website, which is www.haskapa.com. And of course, we've got for, for your followers and your, your viewers, we've got a special offer. If they put Zora in, just Z-O-R-A, they're going to get 15% off, mm-hmm. uh, 15% discount. Um, as well as that, it is available on Amazon in the UK, in America and Canada. And also in the UK, it's actually um, sold through the natural dispensary because a lot of nutritionists use Haskapa. We work with a lot of nutritionists and they, they prescribe it and, and people then buy it through something called the natural dispensary, which is a, a kind of nutrition dispensary in the UK. What about people in Europe or a- a- Asia? Sure. I mean, anyone, the website's available for people to buy to buy anywhere. So any, anywhere, you know, if you want to buy, buy around the world, you certainly can. So the question that, okay, so we could go to the huskappa.com. If we can't find it on Amazon, then we go to the huskappa.com. And then that comes, you deliver to any, any anywhere around we the world. We can deliver. We can deliver around the world. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. One problem we have in Europe is receiving things from the US. So is this a product that's made in the US or North America? I guess Canada is included because we get stuff stuck at the border. They call it a medicine and they get it sent back and then they charge you an arm and a leg just to get through customs. So how do we get over that? Well, we have a distributor in Canada who sends in Canada with absolutely no problems. And he sends to America at the moment without problems that we're aware of as well. We have lots of American customers and he seems to be able to send from Canada without without difficulty at the moment. So. No, that's to the US, but to Europe, because we, we have 
Well, we, we send to, we do send to Europe, but there are, there, I, I know since Brexit, we send from, from the UK to Europe that there have been a few people who've been asked to pay duty and, and that, that is an issue. I mean, it's a huge and huge frustration of many, many businesses in the UK following Brexit. Okay, um, but so, we do still send out, and, and a lot of it get, it gets there, you know. And people do, you know, some of it. Sometimes people are asked, and some people, sometimes they're not, you know. Yeah, from Europe, it's a little bit easier to get stuff from the UK. So if it's coming from the UK, it shouldn't be too bad. If it's coming from the US or North America, Canada, it's going to be a, 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 a hard, a hard sure. thing. Well, for, depending yeah. on the country, I just yeah, know yeah. in Spain so, and yeah, yeah. Portugal, it's quite difficult yeah so so the uk we do all so, so so from canada we just do canada and north america distribution and from the uk we do everywhere else so amazon hascapa.com use the code zora for 15 percent off and i'll have the links to all of this in the show notes and i'll have links to your facebook your twitter your instagram hey I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash hack my age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. And before I let you go, I would love to open the mic to anyone who's been here. If you have questions, uh, please don't be shy. You can unmute and, and ask Dr. Evie anything you like. Hello. I'm so happy to hear this because uh, this is something I didn't know before about this uh, berry. I'm a huge fan of all kinds of berries, but I didn't uh, hear about it so far. And I would like to ask if you can explain, is it similar to maki berry? Because I heard, the, let me say, the presentation of maki berry and it was heard quite a similar way. And I know that it's also very rare, very expensive because it's mostly, um, mostly I think it's coming from Chile. You cannot uh, get it anywhere else. And that's why it's also so hard to get the supplements and they are very, very expensive and the percentage of this extract is very low. Um, so I would like to see the comparison. As well as the price of, of the Hascapa powder. I didn't ask that as well, how much that costs. Can we ask? <laughs> <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's normally um, uh, 17 pounds. And that, but that will last you a month. But there's always discounts. So when you first go on the website, there's a discount. You've now got Zora's discount. And the way to really um, buy it cheaply is we have a, um, a, a subscription model mm. that you can buy pounds, a subscription. Seven zeros that we said? No, one seven. One seven. One seven. One seven. Gosh, no, 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 no. So, so if you think <laughs> about, if you think about one seven, no, 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 no. Seven, much cheaper much, than much, 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 much cheaper, much cheaper. And if you think that we, that's got, that's actually got 800 berries in, in, in a, packed into the wow. pouch now yeah. um, that's got one yeah, it's affordable right? yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's really and that'll last you a month if you if you can if you can contain yourself to only use one teaspoon a day <laughs> and I can't because it's so tasty I have at least two or three teaspoons a day but you know what if you, you can manage with one teaspoon a day that that's absolutely fine I have to try it with just the tea because I didn't taste anything I put it in yogurt I put it in my smoothie I do, but I'm, I, I don't I don't feel a strong taste but maybe it's because I'm mixing it with yogurt or powder. I, I think, sorry. What I, what, yeah, no, no. What, what, I, what I suggest you actually do is you sprinkle it on the top. 
And if you sprinkle it on the top of yogurt, you kind of will really get the strong flavor. And when I make, I have overnight oats every night. Every, I, I have I have oats and I have flax and I have, and, I, and, and normally with soya milk and I have that in the fridge overnight. And then I put fruit and and, and other seeds and nuts and, 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 and things on top. But I always then sprinkle, sprinkle the hascap powder on top. And rather than mix it in completely, if you put it on top and then spoon it as part of it, you really get the, the whack of the flavor. And it's got, a, it really has got a strong flavor. It's got a lovely flavor yeah and okay. that's the difference yeah. by the time with macri berries i have to say um I, again i'm biased but most people almost uh, almost almost everybody loves hascap berries including children and um and many many of the other super berries don't taste that great and i think that's also what i think makes us that that helps us to, to stand out as well but the differences with the macri berry and in terms of the research or the research, I have to say, I know about quite a lot of other berries and I'm not that knowledgeable about macri berries by comparison. I can tell you, you know, the research with um, with with acai and uh, what I what I can tell you is looking at most berries. Uh, we've got the highest anthocyanin level apart from elderberries. Elderberries have got slightly higher anthocyanins than us. And when it comes to antioxidants, the only berry that's really higher is goji. But goji berries are very different berries. You know, they're orange and they're, 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 they're not a deep purple berry. There's something else. And our anthocyanin, our antioxidant levels are much higher. I'd be very interested in looking at macri because I don't know macri that well. Uh, but again, I mean, they, they are a deep purple. I mean, I think they may, they may be similar Magdalena because they are uh, they're small, deep purple colored and they are colored all the way through, which is, you know, which is which I think is, is, is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. What about Aronia berry? It's very popular in our country in Slovenia. You can buy um, some drinks. Yes. Tea. Yes. Um, yeah, well, kind of different, uh, yes, different yes. products. Yeah, well, Haskat berries have got higher anthocyanins than aronia berries. And what I'd say about aronia, and I don't know if you, you like them or not, but the, the original name in North America for aronia berry is choke berry. And I actually heard the the um, choke the aronia berry market. I, I went to I go, I go to the um, Berry Health Benefits Symposium conference, which happens every two years. And I heard the uh, aronia berry marketing person speak at this conference, and she said they had a huge problem because choke berries are called choke berries because when you eat them, they don't taste so great and they make you choke, and that's where exactly. they got their name from. And so they've decided to stop calling them chokeberries and they call them aronia now on purpose because that's a big marketing thing that they've done. And, and you shouldn't so, take, to take it too much because otherwise you can feel sick. Yeah, well, that's really not very, great. very I, small. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, in small con. So, so that's what I would say. I mean, I think I think our berries are just very, very tasty and palatable and children. So they, they turn everything purple. And children love them too. And what I would say is that um, uh, that, that children really love them as well. And um, if you want your children to eat purple porridge, you know, in the morning, you know, I, I have nephews and nieces who, you know, they love it because their porridge turns purple in the morning and, and they really enjoy that. So the w great way to sneak in some exactly you sneak in and, and, and lots of stuff. yeah exactly so lots, lots of mums <laughs> lots of lots of mums like to use it for their kids because they think they're sneaking in healthy and the kids really really love the the, the purple color as well so yeah well thank you so much maybe just another last question compare it compare it to um nitric oxide supplement if we take nitric oxide supplement is this very similar or not that good comparing i think i think these things are very tricky i mean me personally i love 
I, I love the idea that this is food. I mean, I'd love to give you the, the fresh berries and, and because the fresh berries, you know, I, I can't give you fresh berries. By the way, if, if you're in Nova Scotia or Atlantic Canada, we do actually, the farm do sell frozen berries. So anybody, anybody in, in, in actually in, in, in Sobeys um, and one of the other food stores there, but I, I just lost, I can't remember just now, but um, you know, you can, you can buy it, but, but, you know, for the rest of the world, sadly, we, we can't do that. Um, but I think there's a lot of research needed on whether supplements and taking things in supplements actually have the same effect as taking it in food. And one of the great things about taking things in food is that the nutrients are packed in with other things. And so, for example, uh, you know, in the berry powder, in the tea, you'll see that there's lots of bits left because it's, it's whole berries, you know, it's whole real berries. And at the bottom, some people say, oh, we don't want the berries left at the bottom. But I think that's a very good thing because that's actually the real berry. It's the real skin. This is just 100 percent berry. Um, there's certainly there needs to be more research on whether supplements actually work or not. And, and um, you know, that's that's what needs to be done. I, I can't say for sure which is better, but I think it's Thank great so to much. have food. I think it's lovely to have stuff as for sure as food and have this. I will I will order right away <laughs> and it will be a lovely Christmas gift. Lovely Christmas gift for all of my family. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, that's a pleasure. That's a, by the way, if you look on the website as well, you'll see we have these gorgeous jars. I'm sorry, I haven't got one on me just at the moment. These absolutely lovely Haskapa storage jars um, and uh, that say Haskapa on. They're made of this special purple glass, purple violet glass. And um, oh, and and, and oh, somebody's showing some Heather has actually showing us a picture there of what they look like. Can you see? There's Heather's just showing us a picture. Of Heather, what maybe unmute for a second, and then the camera can can click on to you so we can see. Say something. Yeah, my Haskepa teaspoon in the morning with two teaspoons of honey, a squeeze of lemon, and a big fat purple blue mug is my every I wake up and that's what I have and then I land up putting some on my yogurt and other stuff so you like it oh it's brilliant oh nice how long have you been taking it for a few years now and I'm on the um, monthly subscription because it's a little bit less and then it comes I mean you know my bag just arrived today as well <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah and it oh, keeps so you, me going do you notice anything different since you started taking it it's really interesting. I didn't realize it also has the impact on the blood pressure, which I'd forgotten. But I think, you know, I'm not so young and it's keeping me energized and it's delicious in the morning. I mean, I literally, that is what I wake up and I come and make that before I eat anything. It's my, and it's warm. I mean, you know, you've said it all, Evie. So I don't know. I think also well, my weight's been very stable. In fact, sometimes it's actually dropped a little bit. And in a good way, um, I don't know if that's linked with ASCAP or not. You've mentioned, Evie, that it might be, uh, which is great because it's never been that stable. So it just is such a beautiful drink to get up in the morning and see this as you holding your, your drinks, this purple, warm flavor. And I just, it's the first thing I do before I eat anything. Nice. Thank you. That's Thank so you great to that. hear. Thank you. And this little jar is fantastic because I just take the powder out one pack usually isn't enough, but I'm, I don't want to put two packs in at a time because I eat too much. <laughs> Great. And, um, and it's really, you know, it keeps it, you know, it keeps it, um, you can keep it in your cupboard and you're not digging into the pack every time. Yeah. And does it, it doesn't get, um, uh, do you need to have the little anti-humidity packet? Yeah, this thing helps with the clumping. Yeah. So it doesn't clump. Got it. 
I don't know if it would clump in the jar, but I do keep one in there, but I suspect it wouldn't clump anyway. Mm. Great. Thank you so much, Heather. That was wonderful. Before we we let everyone go, is there anyone else who would have a, a question or a comment? Or if you're taking Haskapa, I'd love to hear what you think. You can unmute or you can put your question in the chat if you're too shy. Linda, I'm going to call on you. Oh, Sammy. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been taking it for um, a while now, and I've got my 90-year-old 90, 90 mum on it as well. Fantastic. So I'm hoping that's going to improve. I mean, she's she's fine, um, but I just put a yeah, sort of heap teaspoon on a, on a fruit every morning. So, And I've just got my jar, which is great. Wonderful. That's great to hear. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. How's you her, and Heather, thank you. How's her memory? Uh, it's okay. Well, she always just says uh, my memory's terrible, but... Um, <laughs> But she said that for so donkey's years. So I, she's pretty, I mean, she's amazing, really, for 90. She's, yeah, she's got, she's there in 90. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Linda. I'm glad to, I'm glad you, that you're enjoying it. And uh, anyone last, any Heather, would you like to say anything, Lara or Sammy? Before we go, I hate to call on people. You don't have to, um, just being there. <laughs> just want to give you the opportunity. Before what I did can... want to say is I think it's a brilliant idea for Christmas presents. That beautiful blue jar is a good one. Yeah. I, I, yeah no, I mean the, the berries as well, you know. Oh, but the jar, well, well, I would hope to get the jar the with the berries the, inside. Yeah. The jar doesn't come with the powder <laughs> in it. You have to take the berries to get the jar. If you subscribe, you get the jar free after your third month of subscription, or otherwise you, you can just buy it if you send a present. We've also actually got uh, a, a new Christmas present uh, or a present up for any reason, not just for Christmas, uh, up on the website, which is that you can buy somebody a three month subscription just to, to you know, as, as a nice present for somebody That's as well. Nice. Or birthday gift in case or this birthday gift goes or, out. Exactly. <laughs> whenever, whenever it goes out. Exactly. Exactly. How, how much is the jar? 15 pounds. 15, 15 pounds normally. Okay, good. Just want to get prices out here. <laughs> All right, everybody, I'm going to have to let you go. Thank you so much for all this information. I know we took a deep dive into anthocyanins. If if you guys don't know what an anthocyanin is after this podcast, I don't know what to, what to say. <laughs> Just, and if you want to enjoy the Huskapa powder, you know where to go, huskapa.com. And Evie, any last words before I let you go? No, I just think, please, everybody eat the rainbow and particularly eat that purple end. That's what I would say. Awesome. Remember to remember to eat the, the power. Remember the power of purple. <laughs> the power of purple. Love it. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Good night. Good morning. Wherever Thank you guys you. are. Thank you so much. Lovely to chat. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.